I, I know that you know this, but we have an incredible, incredible pastor. I mean, I, uh, in, in, in the work that I do, I get to know a lot of pastors and I, I have a lot of friends across the country and at other churches. And I've got friends that are at other churches that watch what God's doing through Pastor Chuck and Miss Jenny and their leadership here at the church. And they're like, man, that is so amazing. There's some pastors that you, you don't know what they do, but Pastor Chuck, one example of this that he does all the time, but one example was in July, he was intentionally supposed to have some downtime to be able to just be fed by the Lord and to be able to just dream and pray and plan and, and do some of those things. And in the middle of that, God dropped all of these other opportunities in his lap. And instead of stepping back and instead of having an excuse, he said, you know what, I'm gonna step in and do what God's called me to do. I love you, Pastor Chuck. Y'all show him some love and Miss Jenny for all that they do and leading so well, so well. He hates it when everybody, anybody does that, but man, please, uh, show him some love. He'd love for you to line up and give him a hug today. That would be great. He's warm and fuzzy. You know that, right? Well, thanks for being here today. My name is Bobby. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And we're in week three of a teaching that we've been called Better Together. And if you've been around here a while, you know that every fall and then again, back in, in January, we relaunch groups. We take an opportunity to say it really is better together. And my heartbeat is for every single person that comes in and out of the doors of this church to get in a group. There's some groups that are on Sunday mornings, there's Sunday night, there's through the week, they're in homes. There's some people that meet in their office. There's some people that do it online where they have this virtual sort of chat box going on. There's so many ways to do it, but we really do believe that it's better together. And so week one, we talked about what, what do you do when you don't think it's better together? One of the number one reasons why people walk away uh, from their faith or they just give up is because of other people. And so we just called that out. It's like, man, one of the biggest challenges is other people. And so we just talked about that. How to not lose heart. How do we give grace to people? How do we expect everything not to be perfect? So that was week one. Then week two last week was Pastor Chuck and Tony Finley just having an incredibly practical conversation about how do you build these disciplines of gratitude and prayer and meditation and Bible study. How do you build those into your life? And, and Tony Finley and Greg Finley's case, when you've got kiddos at home and you have to get up at 5 a.m., what does that actually look like? So it's really, really practical. If you missed it, I wanna encourage you to go back and watch it. Next week is probably one of my favorite weeks of the whole teaching. So I hope you'll, you'll already make plans to join us next week. But today I wanna to talk about this one metaphor that happens over and over and over in scripture. There's a lot of ways to think about God. He's our heavenly father. He's the king. And we just got out of a teaching series a couple of weeks ago that talks about the kingdom, a king and a kingdom and a priest. And so there's a lot of metaphors, but one of those metaphors that God uses over and over again in scripture is that of a shepherd. And so if you have a Bible or if you have an app and you wanna follow along, go ahead and be finding John chapter 10. John chapter 10, because in John chapter 10, Jesus uses this picture to remind us of who he is. He says in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Now, when he was talking to people in John chapter 10, they come from this agrarian culture. So they get the idea of sheep and shepherds. They understand it. But for most of us, we haven't hung out with sheep recently, have you? I don't know how much you know about sheep, but as I was doing research, I discovered three sort of things about sheep that are pretty common. One is that sheep are known for being dumb. <laughs> 
in fact, if you do a little Google search and you type in 1,500 sheep and the word cliff, uh, Google will automatically populate it because it's a popular article. Back in 2005, one sheep jumped off the side of a cliff and then 1,500 other sheep followed it. 400 sheep died that day because they're kind of <laughs> dumb. Um, so for all of the moms in here that have asked your kid, if your friend jumped off a cliff, would you jump off it too? Apparently sheep will do that. Sheep will do that. In fact, so much so that, that literally in Istanbul, there's a village outside of Istanbul, Turkey, where this happened and their culture, their economy tanked because they lost all their sheep. So they're known for being dumb. A second thing that's true of sheep is they're directionless. They don't really know what to do. They don't, they don't know directions. They don't, they don't know how to get somewhere. So you put them out in a pasture and they'll wander off, even though they've got everything they need, they just wander off. And then the third thing that's true of sheep is they're defenseless. They're defenseless. They don't have an obvious way to defend themselves. You never hear anybody buying a guard sheep, right? They don't have guard sheep. You, you don't say, watch out, I've, I'm gonna let my sheep out, right? I, I mean, it just doesn't happen. And so this is what they're known for is that they're dumb, they're directionless and they're defenseless. And yet in scripture, here's the good news, we're compared to sheep. Aren't you glad you came to church this week? And it's not necessarily a negative thing, but it's this reminder that we are sheep and we actually need a shepherd. And we don't have just any shepherd, we have the best shepherd ever, we have a good shepherd. So here's what I wanna do this morning as we think about this idea of better together. I want all of us to realize that we're in this together because all of us are sheep and all of us need a good shepherd. And so what I wanna do over just a couple minutes is I wanna to describe to you what Jesus does in our lives as sheep. If you'll allow him, if you'll invite him in what he wants to do. And the first one, if you're a note taker this morning, especially Chuck said, if you got Crayola or mascara or I'll add in their blood, whatever you have, you can jot these down. The first thing that Jesus does is number one, he guides us with his voice. He guides us with his voice. So what's happening in John chapter 10 is Jesus is continuing a conversation that started in John chapter nine. So oftentimes when we start in a passage, if we're not careful, we'll rip it right out of context, out of the ongoing conversation. But in John chapter nine, Jesus has a debate with the religious leaders of the day. The religious leaders of the day were mostly a group of Jews called the Pharisees. And I think the Pharisees, when they first started out, they had good intentions. When they first started out, they wanted to help people come closer to God. But over time, they came up with so many rules and regulations and codes and creeds and all of this external stuff that instead of helping people come closer to God, in fact, they ended up keeping people further away. And so in John chapter nine, Jesus has this debate with them and debates with them, debates with them, debates with them. And then he brings it into chapter 10. And so to teach them the truth, he shows them this metaphor. Here's what he says in John 10 verse three. He says to him, the gatekeeper opens. He's talking about the shepherd that actually owns the sheep. He says to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Now the metaphor that Jesus is using is a pen for these sheep called the sheepfold. And inside a city, typically you would have one large sheepfold for all the sheep of that village or town. And so what would happen is they would build this round pen 
pen about eight to 10 feet high. So a fence around it, it would have one opening, one gate, one door. And so at the end of the day, all of the shepherds would bring all of their sheep into this one central pen. And then one person, one gatekeeper, porter type person would be the watch person at night. They would literally sleep across the opening of that pen to make sure no enemies come in and no sheep come out. Are y'all tracking with me? I'm trying to condense this bigger metaphor in just a, a moment. And so Jesus is talking about this and he says, man, so there's a person at the gate. There's a person at the door. Well, if a shepherd shows up the next day to get his sheep back, the way that he would get them back is he would come to the gate or he'd come to the door. But if there was a shepherd that shows up, a quote unquote shepherd that shows up and climbs over the fence, that tells you they're not the owner of these sheep. It tells you they're a bad shepherd. There's somebody that's trying to steal them. And so Jesus is making this comparison. He's saying, I'm the person that comes to the door. I'm the person that, that comes to this rightly. Uh, the, the other religious leaders that come up with all these codes and rules and processes that are keeping you far away, they're the, the ones that are stealing. They're the false ones. They're the ones climbing over the fence. And so Jesus says this in verse three, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Verse four, it says, for they know his voice. Verse five, it says, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Jesus is saying the way that sheep come back out of the sheepfold the next day is they know the voice of who? Their shepherd. And so in their culture, and or even today, I mean, if you go to agrarian portions of the world, uh, shepherds would have a specific call for their sheep. They would have some high pitched noise that they'd make with their voice that have a way that they would call their sheep. And so what would happen in this town is all of the shepherds would bring all of their sheep to this one pen. And these sheep didn't have markings on them. These sheep didn't wear sheep collars. <laughs> These sheep didn't get dressed up in cute sheep clothing like some awkward dogs that we know of, right, Laura? I'm gonna be in big trouble. Let's stop and pray. Can we stop and pray? Our 10 pound guard dog has his own clothes. Isn't that crazy? So the, the, way, the way that sheep were known is they knew the voice of their shepherd. Are y'all tracking with me? It's sort of like your dog. Let me talk about Laura's dog. <laughs> I'm not gonna claim him right now. But you probably talk to your pet differently than you do to anybody else, right? When we get home today, I'm not gonna say, hey, Ollie, how are you? Did you have a good morning? As soon as we walk in, it's gonna be, hey, Bugs, how are you? Do you have a good day? Are you, right? You just have a different pitch, you have a different voice and your dog knows your voice in a similar way. Sheep know their shepherds. This sermon is going off the rails, Chuck. I'm so sorry. But it's amazing these sheep respond to the voice and only the voice of their shepherd. And as sheep, we need that. Similar to sheep, we're known to wander. We're known to stray. And in our world, we've got so many other voices around us. We have the 24 hour news cycle. And so some folks, man, they just, they watch it all day long. And I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with necessarily knowing what's going on in the world. But when you realize that the way that they get eyeballs on the screen so that they can get advertisers to pay them is to lead with fear and uncertainty and drama and doubt. And so if that's all the voices you listen to, everything in your life is gonna feel chaotic, fear, uncertainty, doubt, 
drama, the world's falling, right? And so you have that voice. And if we're not careful, we start listening to that voice. For others of us, we start listening to the voice on social media and we start comparing ourselves to everybody else and to everything else that's going on. And we start listening to other people's voices. If we're not careful, then we go to work and we start hanging out with people that maybe don't have the same faith journey that we're on. And we start listening to what is considered good advice and I'm not knocking it, but I'm saying we end up listening to so many voices that if we're not careful, we end up getting lost as easily as a sheep does. And we need to learn to be guided by the voice of Jesus. We need to listen for his voice. On Thursday night, this room was transformed into what we call a night of flourish. We had almost 200 ladies in this room. In fact, ladies, if you're here Thursday night, let me hear you, make some noise. Y'all had a lot of fun. Y'all made noise on Thursday night, but you won't on Sunday. Some of you will, right? So Thursday was amazing. There's almost 200 ladies in the room. My wife was here. She was actually playing drums on Thursday night. It was a great fun. I showed up, so I felt like one of the handful of guys uh, out of place, right? There's all these ladies here, a handful of guys here. And I walked in the room trying to find my wife. And with a couple hundred ladies, it's hard to do. I'm looking around, looking around. I didn't see her, didn't see her. And then a moment later, I heard a laugh and I heard a voice and I immediately knew she's right down here. When you walk into a room, if you can't find my wife, one of two things is true. Either you've never met her or you've not spent enough time with her. Because when you know somebody and you spend time with them, you recognize their voice, even amongst 200 people. And that's similar when it comes to our walk with God. If you're not finding guidance, if you're not finding direction, the question is, do you know him? And are you spending enough time with him to hear his voice? Let me give you some practical ways to do that. One way to begin to hear his voice is through the Bible. I mean, this is one of the reasons why in the power routines, we've got three scriptures every single day because as you have these daily deposits of scripture in your life, what begins to happen is over time, you begin to discern the voice of God. You begin to discern the heart of God. The goal isn't just to get through the day's assignment, but it's to connect with God and to hear his voice. A second way that we do this is through prayer, through prayer that we'd pause and instead of praying last, see a lot of times in our lives, we, our last resort is prayer. We do everything that we know to do. And then at the end of all that we know to do, we're like, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. No, what would happen if we said, no, I'm gonna pray first, not last. I'm gonna pray first. I'm gonna say, you know what? Instead of worrying about everything, instead of making it bigger than it ought to be, I'm gonna read scripture and I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna bring it to God himself to be in his presence. And then the third way is to be around godly people to be around godly people. And again, I'm, I'm not making any apology to say that I hope everybody jumps into a group because research says that we become like the four or five people we spend the most time with. And so if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to get some handles around your marriage, if you want to handle money the way that God says to handle it, if you want to have freedom from addictions, if you want to experience new life and new hope, you need to be around the right kind of people. These are just ways to learn to hear the voice of your shepherd. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? Just like sheep, we need the voice of a shepherd. So number one, he guides us through his voice. The second thing that's true is as the good shepherd, he provides us with true life. He provides us with true life. Sometimes the things that we think will bring us life actually leave us feeling emptier in the end. 
Haven't you experienced that? Those things that you think, man, if I just had that, it would be awesome. If I experienced that, that would be great. If I, you know, if I had a promotion, this would be incredible. If I had a bigger house, this would be awesome. If I had more vacation time, this would be great. If I had a spouse, this would be amazing. If I had a different spouse, this would be amazing. If I had kids, this would be amazing. If I had a, a, an empty nest again, this would be, you see what I'm saying? We often think that what we don't have is gonna meet our need. And I, I'm just telling you, after 20 something years of being in ministry, I've talked to so many people that the thing that they were chasing was counterfeit gold. The thing that they were after that they thought was gonna satisfy their need is like counterfeit gold. It's sort of like eating cotton candy. You're like, I'll just have a little. And then after the whole bag is gone, you're like, I want a little bit what? More, because you just want more, you want more, you want more. And here's what Jesus says in verse seven. He says, again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So this is an imagery, he says, verse eight, all who came before me, they're actually thieves and robbers. So these other religious leaders that acted like they were so pious were actually thieves and robbers. They were in it for themselves. And Jesus is like, I'm not like that. I'm not like these other religious leaders. I'm not like these other people that are in it for themselves. He says, I am the door. And then again, in verse nine, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will be saved, he'll be rescued and we'll go in and we'll find pasture. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. The Pharisees thought you could find life through being a good person. The Pharisees thought you could find life by keeping all the rules. The Pharisees thought you could find life by looking good on the outside when actually what happened is they were hollow on the inside. And if we're not careful, that happens to us. If we're not careful, we pursue everything else but the voice of the good shepherd and we end up with full days, but hollow lives. We end up with busy schedules where we're always tired and we feel empty on the inside. And as the good shepherd, what Jesus does is he actually provides true life. In fact, if you wanna write this reference down in John four, a similar imagery is when Jesus uh, meets this woman at the well and he says to her, if you drink from my well, if you drink from the life that I give, you will never, never, never thirst again. And that's what we're longing for. If you're taking notes underneath that second point, here's what I think is true of all of us. All of us need security. All of us need security. We need a new identity. I mean, that's one of the things I love in Ryan's story and Ryan, just to see you come back in the room and hug a whole row full of people. That's so amazing. In fact, a row plus one, right? That's pretty amazing. One of the things all of us need is security and that security is found in who we are in God. I think it's no accident that Psalm 23, another imagery of the shepherd and his sheep says he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep only lie down when they feel secure. We all need that. We need security. The second thing we all need is we all need rest. Can I get a big amen on that? We need rest. We need rest. There's an applause breaking out. We need rest. And what happens is too often we don't build this in. We, we, we schedule every part of our lives except for what matters. And the one thing that you can't get back is who you are. And so here's what happens as sheep. We, we fill every blank space on our calendar and sometimes it's all good stuff, but then we end up empty and we end up hollow and we end up thinking, man, is this all there is? Is this all there is? Is this all there is? And then when moments like Pastor Chuck talked 
talks about, hey, can you volunteer to help bless hundreds of kids at weekday and hundreds of kids on any given Sunday? We're like, that sounds like a good project, but I just don't have the bandwidth to do it. And we end up needing rest. And the third one is we need refreshment. That's why we think Sunday mornings are such a big deal that we would at least have a time during the week, an hour and 10 minutes or so that we would hit pause on everything else. And to say, I know there's other stuff I could be doing. There's a lot of things back at home. I need to get the yard cleaned up. I need to get the laundry done. We've got a week's full of stuff coming our way. Some of you are crazy folks and do the meal prep on Sunday nights and all of this. And there's so much stuff to do, but man, we've got to stop and pause and be refreshed in our souls. I mean, I would even lean in and say, I love Sunday mornings, but what would happen if instead of just a hundred, uh, one hour and 20 minutes, almost at 120 hours, you're like, man, that's a long sermon. <laughs> I'll admit at 9.30, Chuck, I was looking at the clock and I, for some reason, it was not connecting with my brain. I needed another coffee or something. I was not tracking with how much time we had. So I'm not gonna go 120 hours, but what I am saying, what would happen if instead of an hour a week or two hours a week, we treated a whole day with this open hand to say, yeah, I'm gonna do other stuff, but I'm gonna make sure it's refreshing. I'm gonna make sure that it's stuff that fuels my soul. I'm about to go into an important week this week. I don't wanna go in on empty. My, you know, For each of us, man, your jobs need the best that you have to offer. Your kids need the best version of you. Your spouse needs the best you possible. This world needs you, but man, how can they get you if you're empty, if you're showing up chasing everything else except for the voice of the good shepherd? We need these things. Are y'all tracking with me? And sometimes we settle for less. This week, Laura and I went to one of my favorite restaurants. I'm not talking about Lola's today, so I know. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants is Carrabba's. Have you ever been there? I don't know if you like Italian. I love Carrabba's, love Carrabba's. I don't eat a ton of pasta, but man, even their grilled non-pasta stuff is so delicious. Several years ago, I took a friend of mine to eat at Carrabba's. His name was JT. He was new to the area. He hadn't met a lot of people yet. And I found out it was his birthday. And I just have this theory. Nobody should do birthday alone. Nobody should have to buy their own meal on their birthday. And so I invited JT. I said, hey, let me take you to dinner. Have you been to Carrabba's? He's like, no, I've never been to Carrabba's. I was like, you're gonna love it. They have amazing, 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 amazing food. And so we go to Carrabba's and uh, the girl asked, have you been here before? I said, I have, but JT hasn't. Tell them all the spill, tell them what's good. And so she goes through this big spill. And one of the things that they have on the menu at Carrabba's is what's called the Polo Rosa Marie. I don't know if you've ever had it before, but it's this grilled chicken breast that is uh, butterflied and they stuff it with uh, prosciutto and some special cheese. They put it back together. They drizzle it with lemon basil butter. That's a good place for an amen right there. And uh, so they drizzle lemon basil butter. I love getting it with garlic mashed potatoes. They have an amazing salad. So she's describing all this. And I'm like, I'm, my mouth is watering like some of y'all's right now. And, uh, and at the end of the spill, she's like, what would you like? And I was like, JT, I'm paying for it. Get whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. And JT was like, I just want spaghetti and meat sauce. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? It's like, I'm gonna take this fork and poke you in the eye right now. I mean, really? I mean, they've got great spaghetti and meat sauce, but I'm like, JT, did you hear about it? Drizzled in lemon basil butter. You don't even have to know what that means to know that sounds good, doesn't it? Like, bring me more of that. And he settled for what you could get anywhere. He settled for what you could get on the kid's menu when there's something more fulfilling. 
And I'm just saying that sometimes we settle for security outside of God. We try to find it in our jobs, our position, our marital status. We try to find it in all this other, our paychecks, retirement, things that we have going on. And we avoid rest and we run on empty all of the time and we get no refreshment. And then we get at the end of our lives and we're like, man, what's the deal? And the deal is, man, we need God to provide true life, not this fake stuff. So number one, he, he guides us through his voice. Number two, he provides something better than spaghetti and meat sauce, right? He provides us sustenance and true life. He calls it abundant life, this life that is life-giving. Number three, as we think about him being the good shepherd, he actually corrects us for the purpose of wholeness. Now, not many people get excited about this idea of correction. Nobody wakes up and says, man, I hope to get corrected today. But one of the things that we know about sheep is that sheep are stubborn and so are we. I mean, let's just admit it, that we're often stubborn, that we often know better, but we don't necessarily do better. We, we end up in a similar cycle and, and, and we're like, man, I don't, I don't understand why I always end up in these toxic relationships. Well, maybe there's something I'm doing to get into toxic relationships. Or I don't understand why I'm always so financially strapped, but let me go out and buy something that I can't afford on credit that I don't have, right? And we, you, you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we're stubborn. We all do it. I do it. I mean, we get stuck in our stubbornness where we're so close to the situation that we miss it. And here's what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, I know my own sheep and my own sheep know me. So one of the things that a shepherd does is a shepherd knows a sheep so well, he knows not just what they want, he knows what they actually need. And there's times, if you're a parent, you know there are times where your kids want something, but it's not actually what they need. And so as a good parent, you don't always give them what they want, you give them what they need. That's what a good doctor does. When you go into the doctor, I went to the dentist this week, and when I go to the dentist, what I want is some of the happy gas, right? I'm a pastor, I'll take whatever I can get, right? It's legal. Uh, I, you know, that's what I want, that's not necessarily, I don't know how I got there, it's not what I need. But what a good shepherd does is he gives us what we actually need. And sometimes the thing that we need is we actually need correction. We actually need correction. In fact, in that culture, if, if there was a sheep that would constantly wander away and he'd get stuck somewhere or worse, it would get killed by another animal. Uh, the shepherd knows this. And so when a shepherd would keep seeing a sheep wander astray, he would take his staff that was normally used to fight off other animals, he would actually take it to temporarily wound one of the legs of his own sheep, not to hurt him, not to, to, not to, uh, to beat him, but to get him to stay close. And you've seen pictures of this where a shepherd would take that wounded sheep and put it around his shoulders. You know what I'm talking about? And for weeks or maybe even a month, that shepherd would carry the wounded sheep around. And then once that leg or whatever was wounded healed, that sheep, guess what? Never left the side of the shepherd again. Do you see the connection here? that so often as sheep, we begin to stray, we begin to stray, we begin to stray, we begin to stray, we begin to stray. And there are times in our life that God disciplines us. There's times in our lives that God corrects us, not to hurt us, not to harm us, not because he hates us, but because he loves us and he wants God's best for us. Let me just read you a couple of verses. One is Job chapter five, verses 17 and 18. Here's what it says about correction. It says, blessed is the one whom God corrects. So don't be like, oh man, what did I do? No, 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 this is actually a good thing. Blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, 
for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. And so maybe there's a season in our lives that God loves us so much and he's not trying to keep us from something, but to protect us for something that he wants to do. And so this correction, he does that. Here's another verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, no, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Nobody's like, awesome, today I'm not gonna have Dunkin' Donut donuts. Nobody gets up and says, man, I, man, I hope I get to lift heavy weights again today. The discipline in the moment rarely seems fun, but listen to what he goes on to say later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness. And I love this, and peace. If there's anything I wish I could give anybody in this room and watching online is that sense of peace that comes from him. That comes through correction. When I was a little kid, my grandparents lived on a lake in Alabama. And so some weekends we'd go and visit them. We'd go out on the boat and it was great, great fun. When I was five, six, maybe seven years old, when I was little, uh, we went out on a boat ride and we went over to one of their friend's homes. And so we pulled up to their dock and docked. You know, on the side of docks, sometimes there's different kind of bumpers or whatever to keep your boat from scraping the side. Well, this particular dock had just a bunch of old used tires on the side of it, real classy, right? So they had all these tires on the side of it. And so we pulled up and we docked. And when I was getting out of the boat, I stepped not onto the dock, I stepped onto one of those tires. And apparently there's a, a, a wasp nest inside that tire. And so all these wasps came out and they're like, who just stepped on our house? And all these wasps started stinging me like crazy. And I don't know how long it went on. All I know is I'm trying to pull them off, trying to pull them off, trying to pull them off. I screamed like a little schoolgirl, So I lose my man card early in life, I'm just saying. So I'm like screaming, crying, painful, painful, trying to pull it off, pull it off, pull it off. And then eventually my grandmother picks me up and she throws me into the water. I'm like, thank you. Meemaw, that's amazing. When you're a kid in the moment, you're like, what is going on? What's happening? What's the deal? But as an outsider looking in, she knew that the thing I needed wasn't, hey, it's gonna be okay, Bobby. I needed something drastic to get me out of the dangerous situation. And man, when I got out of the water, um, I had like 20, if I remember correctly, it was like 27 stings on my body. I had them in, in, in my fingertips from pulling them off. I blew up like the Michelin man. I was on Benadryl for days. It was like, bring me the bottle. I don't know. I mean, it was, but sometimes we need correction to help us. And here's the last one, number four. As the good shepherd, he protects us with his presence. He protects us with his presence. Uh, let me just read you the highlights here. It says in verse seven, I am the door. So he's the one that guards us. He's the one that watches over us. Verse nine, again, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. You don't have to wonder. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. So he's not like the other religious people of his day. And he's not like the other religions of our day. He's the good shepherd. And, and, and most other religions, you lay down your life for the God or whatever they call him. In, in Christianity, Jesus, the shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. He didn't have to do that, but he did it for us. And it goes on to say in verse 15, he says, I laid down my life for the sheep, verse 17, and if I lay down my life, I will take it up again. And so here's the big takeaway for today. We are sheep in need of the good shepherd. 
We absolutely, desperately need the good shepherd. Back in August, and I love that Ryan actually referred to it in his video, Pastor Chuck taught us a teaching uh, about the kingdom and the king and the priest. And there's this one question that he asked us over and over and over and over again. And he was hoping that everybody would say it, just like I'm hoping you're gonna say it here in a second. He'd ask the question, who are you? And then everybody would respond with one loud voice. And so let's give it a try. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And then Chuck would get fired up and he'd say, doggone right you are. And I loved it. I love those moments. I love that joy that came from that moment. Well, today I'm gonna to give you a second picture. You're not just a priest, but you're also a sheep. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Doggone right you are. We're sheep that get distracted. We're sheep that wander away. We're sheep that need something that we can't provide ourselves. Amen. What we need is a good shepherd. Amen. I wanna invite you to do two things. One is, would you help other sheep come to know the good shepherd? Would you help them to do that? Whether it's through the golf tournament, whether it's through Celebrate Sugar Hill on the last Sunday of this month, whether it's already to be praying, who can you invite this Christmas, the most depressing time of year for people that wrestle with depression, that more suicides happen between Thanksgiving and Christmas than any other time of the year. It's not that people don't, aren't depressed other times, it's that they feel it more in those seasons, that we would find ways that we would help more sheep know the good shepherd. And then the second takeaway today is that if you don't know him, would you come to know the shepherd today? There's a couple of ways that we can do this. One, one of the reminders is I heard my pastor tell the story years and years ago. He said, there's this college professor, like a lit professor that recited Psalm 23. And he had sort of that big voice. He's like, the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. And you know, he had just, just that dramatic kind of delivery that was powerful. And the story goes that after he finished, there's a kid in class that was shy, timid, just maybe a little bit socially awkward, but he always brought his Bible to class. And so the professor, after he recited the Lord's, or Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He asked the shy, timid kid to read it. And this kid started reading it. And he just read it with that little voice, the Lord is my shepherd. And as he kept reading it, he got a little choked up and tears begin to fill his eyes. And after he made his way through Psalm 23, the professor said something that I think is so amazing. He said, I, I know the Psalm, but this kid, he knows the shepherd. There's a difference between knowing about the good shepherd and actually knowing him. And so today, if you know him, would you consider helping other people come to know him? through Celebrate Sugar Hill, through the tournament, through the Christmas season, or honestly, one great way to do it is to start your own group. You don't have to meet here on campus. You don't have to do it some particular way. We've got some folks that gather at their offices before work starts. We've got some people that already do something with a group of friends weekly or every other week. They're out on motorcycles, so they bring scripture to dinner and prayer. Or they, they go to work out together at the gym. And so before they get on the racquetball court, they have a Bible study together. We've got some folks that they love doing other crafts together. There's so many ways to do it, but would you consider maybe even starting a group in your home, in your neighborhood with a handful of friends and to help them come to know the good shepherd. And then today, if you don't know him, 
Would you put your faith and trust in him? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? I'd love to pray for us today. Maybe this morning as we pray, you know the good shepherd, but you haven't been listening to his voice with just now, even in your head and your heart, would you say, dear Jesus, help me to know your voice. Help me to follow your lead. Help me to trust your guidance. God's job is to lead us. God's job is to protect us. God's job is to provide for us. Our job is to follow him. God, would you help me to hear your voice? God, would you help me to trust you that you know what's best? God, would you help me to help other people come to know you? And then if you don't know him, I'm gonna invite you to pray this part of the prayer with me. It's not the words that make the difference, it's the heartbeat behind it. Would you just say something like this? Dear Jesus, I know that you love me and I know that I'm tempted to wander and stray. As best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and give me a brand new life. Would you help me to walk with you? Would you be the leader, the Lord of my life, my shepherd? And if you prayed that for the very first time today, if you're watching online, drop us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. Or if you're here in the room, man, I would invite you to take one of those info cards right in front of you and just write down, hey, I prayed with Pastor Bobby today and give it to one of our greeters or better yet, come by the meet and greet room. We've got some resources to help you take your next steps. In fact, we'd love to give you a power routines as a way to say, hey, this is a way to kickstart hearing the voice of God, being in scripture every day, praying every single day, that would be powerful. But I'm gonna pray for us after I finish praying, we're gonna stand. And before we head out of here, I just want us to take just one moment, just 60 seconds to lift up this course that's become a course that our church has really latched onto. This way maker, to use this as a moment to connect our heads and our hearts with him. And then after we've sung this, we'll be dismissed and on our way out, we're gonna be given some invite cards for Celebrate Sugar Hill, a way for you to easily invite neighbors, coworkers, friends to be part of what God's doing here in our city. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you're the good shepherd and that you love your sheep, that you guide us, you protect us and you even correct us but we're not sheep that wander, but we're sheep that have an ever-present shepherd, the good shepherd. Help us to walk with you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, let's stand together and before we head out, let's lift up this chorus just a couple of times, this reminder of who our God is and what he's done. Let's sing this out, if you will. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you
promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is absolutely who he is. We're the sheep and he's the good shepherd. Let's listen to his voice this week as we walk with him. Love you guys. Have a great, great rest of your Sunday. We can't wait to see you back next Sunday, but let's walk with him this week. Love you. Have a great one. Faith in, let it